Welcome to Mercy Talk. I am one of your hosts, Melanie Wise. And I'm your other host, Jen Otero. Mercy Talk is presented to you by Mercy Multiplied, a nonprofit Christian organization that is committed to seeing hope restored and lives transformed through the love and power of Christ. Since 1983, Mercy has helped thousands of young women break free from life-controlling behaviors and struggles through our free-of-charge, biblically-based residential program. That's right. And Mercy's outreach activities are designed to educate, equip, and empower men and women of all ages to live free and to stay free. So on Mercy Talk, we want to tackle real-life issues and everyday struggles that affect our lives by applying the same biblically-based principles of freedom that we've seen effectively change lives for 35 years. To find out more, go to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Well, hey, everyone. Happy October 4th. Mm-hmm. Since I am starting this podcast, I would like to give a special shout out to Donna Carter. Oh, my mom. Happy birthday to you and her twin sister, Lana, who I affectionately call Yeah Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. I'm 99.9% sure that neither of them listen to this podcast. But so hey, I'll make sure and send this to them. That's actually <laughs> so that more shout out. I like that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So last week, um, we started a discussion on the topic of boundaries with teens. Yes, we and did. we were basing much of our discussion on the same resources that we pretty much focus all of our discussion on boundaries, and that is on um, the book Boundaries with Teens by Dr. John Townsend. Mm -hmm. It's very weird to not say Cloud and Townsend because they've written most of their books together, but this one is just by Dr. Townsend. And really the main takeaway, the thing that we focused on the most last week was just the challenge to parents or caregivers of teens to really take the time yeah. before we start talking about how you need to, you know, help your teens understand boundaries to look at yourself mm-hmm. and to do the self-reflection and the self-assessment of how you are doing in your own um, operation within boundaries of your own emotional health, of your own things, because we carry all of our things into every aspect of our lives, That's right. including parenting, especially parenting. And so... Um, Really, that's just that that felt like the most natural place for us to start this conversation, because like we always, always, always say you give away what you carry. Mm -hmm. Goodness knows you're going to give away what you carry to your kids. And so so and we just felt like that was an important challenge. And we encourage people that if you have not heard the um, last week's show that you go back and listen, um, because really uh, how you're parenting your teens is what's setting them up for adulthood. Huge. So, you know. No pressure on that. <laughs> no just, pressure at all. Just small responsibility. <laughs> so with all of that discussion last week, we, like we said, we really didn't get to talk much about the teen themselves or the actual mm-hmm. boundary setting. So today we really want to talk through that some more and really focus on what it is to be a teen. Like what is their experience like? And that is one of the things that I love that Dr. Townsend did throughout the book. He did a really good job of reminding us as the parents to step back and go, okay, what was it like to be a teenager? Because honestly, if I step back and I look back at my teenage years and what it felt like and all that I was dealing with, 
hopefully a some healing is going to come into my life because I'm looking back at it. Mm-hmm. But B, I'm going to have a broader and more empathetic approach to my teenager when they're experiencing the very same things that I did. Now, while time has changed and culture is different, there are still some things that are very much the same. And so understanding what it looks like for them to be experiencing what they're experiencing based on what it looked like for me, because when I can empathize with them, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to parent them a little differently too. And really being able to connect with them in a different way when they're having a moment or when there's a difficulty or when we hit up against a bump going, oh man, I remember that for myself. Mm-hmm. Where are some things that I struggled in, et cetera, et cetera. It just positions me to parent differently. Yeah. I forgot to introduce our special guest. Oh, that we continue to call a special She's guest. So yes. special. Brooks here, everyone. I don't think we should ever stop. Okay. No, just kidding. Well, so to, to kick off this discussion, let's just let's just zone in on what is adolescence. Yes. At the end of the day, adolescence is a time of transition and change. Mm-hmm. Can I get an amen from all the parents of teens out there? Um, I like how he. He talked about it in the book. He said, this period of adolescence is not the dependent and open-eyed years of childhood. Yeah. It is not the mature and uh, self-directed time of adulthood. Mm -hmm. It's both. Yeah. And it's neither. Very so go clear. figure that out, everyone. <laughs> very, very clear. Very clear, Tom. But um, no yeah. wonder it is a season of challenge mm-hmm. um, because it really is just this crazy transitional phase of life that connects childhood and adulthood. Yeah, that's and right. And so it comes with its whole, a whole different set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And so that's really kind of why we wanted to focus in on this for a few weeks. Um, but it's, it's at the end of the day, as much as we like, even just the word adolescence to most people can make them like cringe, mm-hmm. just like thinking about your own adolescence or just adolescence lessons in general in that time of life and just the craziness that it is, it really is a good, necessary and helpful season of life. Yeah. It just does require some equipping of parents mm-hmm. and caregivers and people who are working with them. So, so that's what true. this is all about. Yeah. I mean, as you already mentioned, it is the preparation for adulthood. And so, you know, this is the big picture, kind of the long view that mm-hmm. we discussed last week. Um, this is the season, uh, a very long season. <laughs> it's not a short one, not a mm-hmm. four-month period or three-month period. How long are seasons? Three months? Three months. Eh, depends on where you live. divided by four That's is it. three. There you go. It's not what I got my PhD in, guys. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Anyway, it is the season, a long season, <laughs> um, where they begin to let go of parental dependence and move into adult independence. Mm-hmm. But they're still under the control of authority, and they have to learn how to be under the control of authority in a yeah. healthy way. Because I don't know if y'all know this, but we are always under the control of authority mm-hmm. in some ways. So even though they gain more freedom, life is about how mm-hmm. to function, you know, in healthy under healthy authority. Um, and so until they're ready to really take ownership of their own life, we have to set the boundaries, the structure, the consequences, mm-hmm. and all of those things be consistent in order for them to make this transition well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I was reading this book in prep for these shows, and as I mentioned last week, because I have a teenager, it was mm-hmm. kind of a both and. I just love the heart of this author throughout the whole book because like you said Mel adolescence in general just that word kind of is like oh but he does such a good job of going okay this is so healthy Mm -hmm. and this is normal and this is good and it's meaningful and if we parent it well it can actually be really fun like it's a really special season but I think so often we can kind of go into it with this dread and I know for myself and my husband we're like there are some challenges yes but it's been so cool in so many ways too to see her shift out of being that child 
and into new levels of independence. Mm-hmm. And you see this growth and this maturity happening. And it's really beautiful to start planning and talking about the dreams of the future. And there's so much that's cool to it. And yeah. one of the things that he talked about that I thought we'd spend some good time on is identifying what a healthy adolescent looks like. Mm. Because it, like I said, so often we think of adolescence and we think of this negative thing. But what is what does it look like to be a healthy adolescent? Because it doesn't mean you're perfect and it doesn't mean you never push back and it doesn't mean things are always peachy keen. But what does it look like to be in a healthy place? And so he outlined a couple of things. The first thing he said is that a healthy adolescent is able to make connections. And what he means by that is they're able to have healthy emotional attachment to family and to friends. So they're not detached. They're not withdrawn. They are bonded. They're connected to others. They have the ability to connect in an emotional and healthy way with the people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so doesn't mean there's not challenges in those relationships, but they are connected. They're not withdrawn. They're not isolated. They're not off in the corner. They really are connected. And so that is one thing Mm -hmm. that you can look for to know that your adolescent is in a healthy place. Mm -hmm. Another couple of things that he mentions about a healthy adolescent is that um, they are responsible. Mm -hmm. That they perform tasks that they are supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I, there's anything that I've heard from my friends with teens, they're like, this this is an area where it can get really challenging. <laughs> but if they're in a healthy place, they're able to they're able to be reliable. They can be depended upon to do things around the house, mm-hmm. to do their homework, to do the things that they are responsible for. Um, another thing that he mentions is that a healthy adolescent is able to accept reality. Yeah. Now, obviously, they may be perfectionistic, just... Go look at adolescent Melanie back in the years. Um, They may be idealistic. They may be self-absorbed. All those things that we talked about are very typical of teens. But healthy adolescents know that they can, they know how to come back down to earth, accept reality as it is. Um, And they also, at some level, understand that they are not perfect and that no one else is perfect either. They're able to really be grounded in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also, they mess up, but not severely. So there's going to be a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. because they're figuring things out and that's how we grow Mm -hmm. um, when we're uncomfortable, but they don't have a lot of crises. Um, And then they're oriented to the outside. So they're more and more invested in their friends and the outside world than they are in their family. Mm -hmm. One more time. Mm -hmm. They are more invested in their friends and the outside world than they are in their family. And so this is actually a good thing. This is normal. It doesn't mean that you don't have that grounded place, you know, where you guys connect and you know whether it's family dinner or whatever it is i know a lot of um people i knew like they had uh, this sounds very extravagant but just an example like a lake house and so Mm -hmm. they would go to the lake every weekend and that was the one place they all got together as a family and then they would invite other friends Mm -hmm. over so they could connect out and in so Mm -hmm. yep that's so great another thing that he talks about is that they make friends with other good kids not perfect kids. Let's make sure we clarify that. Mm -hmm. But they really do seek out kids that have the same values and the same mindset and are um, similar. I experienced that this very weekend when we had my daughter's 14th birthday party and she had a couple of friends come over and they're all so unique and different, but there were so many sweet similarities about who they were and just their mindsets, the things they were talking about. I saw that they were all kind of at the same level maturity wise. Like I saw that my daughter is seeking out just really good friends that are similar to her in faith 
faith, same kind of sense of humor, talked about boys the same, like it was just really sweet to see. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that you'll see in a healthy adolescent. You'll also see that they develop good values. So they are establishing a sound system of morals, ethics, spiritual beliefs. And reality is we may not agree with all the particulars, but when it comes to the basics, it's good stuff because ultimately we can get into majoring on the minors, especially in matters of faith. But when it comes down to it, if your child is in a good place as they're moving into adolescence, they're going to have really good values that they begin to kind of create as their own. And so that's another piece. And lastly, this is the fun one we want to put an exclamation point next to is that they challenge their parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a healthy adolescent actually challenges. They question our authority. They question our opinions. They want to think for themselves. Now, if you have built healthy relationship with your kids, they're going to come to you and ask questions like, mom, why do you feel that way or what? So it's not always this like battle, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just a place of going, why is that Mm -hmm. something you Mm -hmm. believe? I want to know. I don't want to just take what you feel is truth because I'm a kid and it's what you're telling me. I'm moving into a place of adolescence and independent thinking. So I want to know why you feel that way so that then I can begin to assess whether or not I believe or feel Mm -hmm. that way as well. Super awesome, helpful conversations. But for us to be open as parents to those conversations, that we don't get offended, we don't get fearful, we don't get freaked out, but that we're able just to give them space to talk through and ask these questions. It's huge, huge yeah. stuff. And it's all part of being healthy, which is so good. I saw my daughter, I saw what God did through her life, but I also got to meet friends of hers from Mercy when during graduation and, you know, one at a time and then more friends after that. And to just see these girls and hear their story. I love to hear their stories because they're all so different, but they're all claiming the transformation of Jesus. I've seen a lot of rehabs. I've, you know, walked through with people other places in in mercy is different than anywhere else. You know, mercy has touched so many lives that I will never know. These girls are living their lives to the glory of God and it has changed not only their lives, It changes generations. It's changing my daughter's children and it will change their children because of what mercy is. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. For those of you parents (laughs) out there who just heard the list of what a healthy adolescent looks like, you may be going, oh, well, in that case, I'm done. Because <laughs> that is a lot right there. Um, and I think what's so, so, so important to understand is that we, like, all have to give up on this idea that there's just going to be this picture-perfect, healthy That's adolescent right. that doesn't have any issues and doesn't make any of these big mistakes or have problems or challenges. Um, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I don't want that list that we just read to somehow like drum up a bunch of shame because, well, that's then right. I've clearly completely botched it as a parent because my kid is not described by any of the things that you guys just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I would say, though, that for those parents who might find themselves in that place to understand and realize that it is never too late so good. to start this. It's never too late. Yeah. And you may think, well, I messed it up for 15 years, so it's going to take 15 years to undo this. No, that's not typically how it works. It's not a one-to-one ratio. You know, no. like there's something so good um, about making some shifts now. And mm-hmm. it may be it may be hard. It may be a little more challenging than if it had happened when you were 
raising them as a young child. But I just, I just don't want people to give up on this and think, well, it is clearly too late. I've got two or three more years left with my kids. So I'm just going to coast and try to survive this. Um, so I just encourage you that if that was hard for you to listen to, (laughs) to just not give up or give in, we're going to hardly be able to get into all of the logistics of what it actually looks like to set boundaries with teens because there's just not time. And so we will always, always, always encourage you to go and, uh, get the book, just process it, read it, memorize mm-hmm. it. Um, the, <laughs> it in your I literally say memorize everything by Cloud and Townsend. Just keep reading it until you've got it memorized. Yeah. I don't think oh, there's anything wrong with that. Yep, um, yeah. So I, um, you know, when it comes to just, well, we've already mentioned this a lot of how much change, like mm-hmm. tremendous amounts of change is happening in teens in their adolescent years. And, at the end of the day, I mean, they they so often don't even know <laughs> what they think yeah. or what they are feeling because it's literally changing by the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just part of that season of life. And they are they are becoming a different person. They are in an actual season of transition as a human being. That's and right. so their values are changing. Their opinions are changing. Their feelings are changing. And they're, they're fluid, but they're also sometimes really unpredictable, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, and it's something to help navigate. Cause I think at the end of the day, like we can know as adults sometimes what's happening. Like we yeah. can look at a situation and be like, Oh, I see exactly what's playing out here, but they don't, That's right. they don't have that perspective. And so to be able to come alongside them and walk that with them um, in a place of support. That's really what this whole series is about. That's what this whole book is about. And I mean, obviously they are going through every change in the book. They're going through physical changes. I mean, we don't even probably need to talk about all the physical changes that happen. Y'all know how scary that is whenever you like hear a boy who used to talk like a little boy and then all of a sudden like one day he's straight up man voice <laughs> like how freaky that is and weird that is like we, we all know about the physical changes um that that happen in those years but I think it's also important for parents to know that like even though there are physical changes happening and there's so much there's so much change there's also things that don't change and their yeah. need for attention their need for support their need for love their need for even like physical affection as weird as that might be as their bodies are changing mm-hmm. like they still so need those those things for mom and dad. Um, and so while there is a lot of change, there's also some things that are consistent for like just humans mm-hmm. and their needs emotionally. And so to be there for them in that. Yeah. And I mean, if I could encourage parents at any level, if you can understand what is happening cognitively with the brain, so it, honestly, guys, mm. it'll just make you feel so much better. Um, <laughs> there's a great book by Dan Siegel called Brainstorm, and it's talking about the teenage brain and just understanding how that works, what it's I like that doing. It's called Brainstorm. Yeah, it's, and it's about the teenage great, brain. <laughs> it's a great book. It's fitting. I mean, it really is. And so, I mean, you know, we had all this research that was like, well, by five, you're good to go. And mm-hmm. I don't know who came up with that with oh, observational word. learning. We would have figured that out real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> it didn't end at five, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no judgment, scientists. Um, and so, but the reality is, is that it, it our brain is continuing to develop. And if we do not practice actually using our frontal lobe, yeah. which is what we're seeing socially, kids are not having to think for themselves. They're not having to actually practice using that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much, a you know, everything you want, it, you get can access very quickly. And so the brain is actually developing differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you it can engage that that developmental process, when you understand what it is, and there are moments to be like, oh, you're acting crazy because this is going on, and that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Let mm-hmm. me help you get to this other side of calm, and then there's ways to you know be able to communicate that. And so this is why teens are impulsive. They go with their 
gut feelings mm-hmm. without thinking. If they're Christian, don't don't let them use Holy Spirit every time, guys. Right. It's okay to challenge it. Be like, you know, God told me that in the body. Yeah, I'm always like, did he? Did he really about that a little bit? You know? And that's okay because if he did, then it'll stand up. Um, and so, you know, while their brains are developing, set healthy limits, challenge them in areas that you know you need to see change. And I'll use kind of an example. If you see that your kid like can't drive in a car with more than one other person in the car or they're like, you know, speed demon or, mm-hmm. you know, putting their speed on Snapchat or, you know, trying to show out, don't let them ride with more than one person in the car. Like mm-hmm. cater to whatever you're like, you know what, you don't make good decisions there because they may get straight A's. Yeah, that's good. But they but- don't, you know, so it's okay to kind of pick and choose, okay, where do they need more boundaries and where can I back off? If yeah. they have straight A's, then I'm going to trust they're going to do their homework, that's for so example. Good. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. yeah, that's so, so good. So another piece of the discussion who this one's most challenging. I know that I've hit up against mm. it at times. Is honestly the really, really healthy place that mm. our teens need. I say need to begin to separate from us as they grow. This is a hard one, y'all. Mm. Especially when we just you have your little babies, and then they yeah. grow in their children, and you see new levels of independence. But then they hit the teenage years, and it's it's a quite a dramatic shift. Their need to begin to separate. But this is what we have to understand: that children cannot enter the world if they have not separated from. Their parents. Right yeah. now, it may be hard at 16 or 17, or for me at 14. But I'm telling you, when they hit 30, you're going to wish they had separated from you because they're not in a position to then move forward in their lives. You know, we laugh about that, but the reality is, is that right now we are setting them up. And if we fight their very healthy need to separate, we're not just setting ourselves up, we're setting them up for just failure Mm -hmm. in a lot, a lot of ways. And so there's an understanding that our children cannot fully engage in two worlds at once. And so we have to really begin to bless and position them to separate from us and instead of fighting it. And so understanding that it is needed and it is normal. And that is also another place where we have to go, how healthy am I and how connected I am I with the Lord yep. that I'm not trying to find something in my child or I'm not experiencing this as rejection or this isn't something that's whacking me out because it's a healthy and normal need. And yep. so if that is something that's kicking up for you, even as we talked about last week, really get gut level honest with yourself and go, why am I having such a hard time with this normal and healthy need? Mm-hmm. And to get to the long view because they need to separate, they need to be part of their friend world. They need to do all of those things and really positioning them too. And so I think part of the discussion that would even be helpful today too is talking through some of the right ways for them to separate in a healthy way because especially when you're facing this the first time, it can be like, what does this even look like in a healthy way? Because as we've all already identified, healthy doesn't mean perfect. Healthy means certain things. And so knowing what to look like when our kids begin to separate. Mm -hmm. So Mel, do you want to take that first one? Yeah. So they talk in the book about allowing your kids to leave you while Mm -hmm. staying connected to you. Yeah. Um, And giving them that that space and that safety to be able to talk about things that are happening in their world with you, that that line of communication stays open, that there may be things that they bring to you or they say to you or things that, that you just don't, you don't agree with yeah. that might like kick up some stuff inside of you that might, who knows, even trigger some things in you that you you don't want to shut down those walls of communication so that huge. they can bring in things from the outside thoughts that they're having, things like that. And, and to be able to give them the freedom to think and to live and to make choices and all of those things, mm-hmm. but then to be able to have that connection with you to still bring those things into you. Um, and, and just the importance of being supportive 
of your teen having a life outside of you and outside of your family. I know that you said like, you don't want, you know, them to be 30 years old and still connected with you. Well, unfortunately, like, I think I know some moms who probably do. Yeah. And that's like a big problem. I mean, you know, like there's really big moments when I'm like, you know what? Let's make you weird. and let you live here forever. (laughs) Really I'm okay like with you. it. And then Scott's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my know? gosh. That's the next level. Okay. I mean, but it's okay. Let's it, make it you weird. It was a moment. It was I a didn't say I live there. Yeah. But you know, when they're just I mean, so cute. I would like, say the vast majority of parents are exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But like, if you have never dealt with the stuff, like you said, that's that is so coming true. from your stuff Huge. that needs your kid, that is dependent on your kid, that is, I don't know myself outside of my kid then like this is going to be very hard yes. and and what it is is it, what it means is that when you're not letting them do that you're actually way more caring about who you are yeah. than about them and their entire future so this this is just vitally important it's huge another way that we can know that we are in a healthy place of allowing them to separate is encouraging them to move towards something and not away. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means, in other words, is that we want our teens to be excited about moving towards a new life that they're building and that they have dreams and desires for and not away from us to escape us Mm -hmm. or the brokenness that is in our home. I can tell you countless girls that I've counseled that cannot wait till their 18th birthday because they have attached a dream to the 18th Mm -hmm. birthday that they cannot wait to get away Mm -hmm. from their parents. They cannot wait to get out of home because it's so volatile or it's so abusive or there's just so many difficulties that have not been addressed. Now, even as I say that for the listeners that realize, oh man, my kids may be experiencing that. There is no shame or guilt or condemnation attached to that. Please hear us. But if that is registering something in you, you have all the capacity and the control to change that. Even if they're moving out next week, you have a week to do something as far as your relationship with them. But to really position ourselves once again to do that inner work so that our kids are in a healthy, safe place at home. That as they begin to launch, they're moving towards something and not mm-hmm. trying to run away good. from what is in our home. And that's a hard one. Yeah. But I can tell you how many girls that I've counseled over the years that that's very much where they're at. Yeah. But on the flip side, as they've healed and as their parents have healed, it didn't stay that way. And so really acknowledging, okay, I want to position my kids to move towards something mm-hmm. and not be running away from me mm-hmm. because of whatever may be going on at home. Uh, yeah, that's so good. And he also talks about um, uh, separating from our teens, you know, in a healthy way is being prepared for adulthood versus being unprepared. Mm-hmm. And so he has a graph. So you'll have to buy the book, to look at the graph, because I probably can't yeah. paint the visual for you. Sorry, I love data, guys, but I don't know that I can uh, do that. But basically, one line is your involvement, support, resources, right? You provide your teen with love, care, safety, wisdom, all of, you know, all of the best of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second line is their growing independence, right? So their readiness, their maturity. And so over time, the parent line should be dropping Mm -hmm. and the teen line should be increasing. Mm -hmm. And there should be a gap there where they're able to think things through without coming to you in every single moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, you know, this is a good thing. That means they're responsible, they're confident. And what this will actually do is tie you guys together later, right? I'm not going to give you advice now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you work it out and then come to me for advice, which builds a relationship where 
you know, it's actually healthy and, mm-hmm. and it can become more friendly in nature and can become more fun, just like you would if you call my friend, right? My friends aren't just giving me unsolicited advice right. all the time. If mm-hmm. I call and ask them, then they do. Um, so anyway, and that just really leads to a healthier spot. And it'll fluctuate as they function through college or jobs or that sort of thing. But there should be a, a line of demarcation where we're separating out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really one of the last things we want to hit on in our discussion today that I think is just so epic and important is this idea that in the midst of all the challenges and the struggles that our teens are working through, one of those often is their faith, that they are in a position where they are not just wrestling with all of the friendships and the relational things and the physical changes and all the things, but there's just a reality at times, especially for those that are listening that are Christians or have raised their kids in that kind of a setting you will probably hit up a point against a point with your teen where they start to ask some questions and they start to look at their faith and they begin to do a spiritual battle to some place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the Lord. And it's a reality of understanding that many teens hit a point where they begin to question Mm -hmm. the things that are related to themselves and their family and their faith and who is God and who is God to me. And I have seen that for many, many years as a counselor as well, that I always just love because what happens is it's not always easy and it can create a lot of fear for us as parents. But if you really look at it at face value, what's happening is your teenager is going, what do I want as far as faith for myself? Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be a Christian because my mom and dad are a Christian or because my entire family is a Christian. I want to make a decision for myself, whether or not this is something I want or don't want. Now, the don't want category can feel scary, but Mm -hmm. when we allow our kids to really work this through in their teenage years and get out of the way and allow them to kind of battle this out with the Lord, that we're covering them, we're praying for them, we're there to have conversation, we're engaging them. What happens is their faith becomes their own. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful, beautiful transition that can happen as long as we are parenting that well. And so that is another encouragement even for folks today too. If this is another thing that comes up, and I've seen a lot of parents when this starts to happen, they get freaked out because their own control and their own fear and their own worries or want for their kids to be believers and to walk with Jesus, all very cool and good. And of course, important, they can actually hinder this process. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it stunts their kids growth in their faith. And what they end up doing is actually causing the very thing they're not wanting to have happen. And so if this is something you're hearing and you're going, oh, wow, my teen is in this, I just encourage you to really pray into that Mm because it's a really beautiful place. And the best part of this is, is that if they are actually asking questions and engaging that's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. They're not disengaged. They, it's not like they're presenting as though they don't care. They actually really care. That's why they're asking questions. That's why they're battling it out. So give them the space to do that. Be open to asking questions. Even simple things of like, what did they talk about in youth group today? Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? Mm-hmm. What does this happen? What did, have you read your word this week? What is anything God is showing you? All of those types of things that are not pushy, but they're also presenting them space to talk through it. It's just a really understa- important place that we understand that they're they're working this through. It's so important. And they may not ask those questions to you as the parent. It's true. So I think that's why yeah. it's so good that you've set them up, as we've said, mm-hmm. to have people in their lives so that true. they can go to, that you know, that you trust, that you know are going to be a voice of truth in their life. Yeah. Um, and if they don't have those people, and if you have not, like you said, really just set them up for it, mm-hmm. even when they're younger, yeah. to have good, wise Jesus-loving people in their lives, then who are they going to turn to with those questions if they don't turn to you? Mm -hmm. And that's where you're like, ah, I 
I wish they had some people in their yes. lives besides me because they're not coming to me anymore. You and, know, and totally That's encouraging them to yep. seek out those conversations. There's one other quote that I love that Dr. Townsend said, and he said this: "Why is this period so important for a teen? Because your teen is in the process of changing parents. He is transferring his dependency and obedience from you, his earthly parent, to God, his eternal parent." Okay. Wow. I mean, that in itself in one sentence makes you go, oh, that's, that's right. Good. That's yep. what's happening. And that's supposed to happen in that's order really to, I'm not going with you to college or when you get married or when you no. have children. Like, I'll Don't be, be there, parent. but I need you. Some of them do. Yeah. <laughs> but I need you to connect with the Lord for him to be yeah. that the one that's really leading you in that. Yeah. It's just such a cool thing to and think about. And hopefully that gives, you know us all of us a place of rest mm-hmm. to be like that's that's what is happening yeah they should be challenging this right it's such a fearful time that you're like well if the relationship with the lord is good at least we got that right you know but this is the time they work that out and guys don't quote me on the statistic but I, at one point and this was maybe five or six years ago it's like less than one percent of college students actually stay in church wow mm-hmm. Okay, so those that have grown up and then less than 1% actually stay. They're working that stuff out. And if they were able to do that in early adolescence mm-hmm. with you or other people, like it's just so important. This is their, I think he calls their true and valid spiritual passage, right? Mm-hmm. And so the struggle that they're working through is great. It is between them and the Lord. And y'all, mm-hmm. if you've ever heard me speak, I say that a lot, but for real, yeah. mm-hmm. it is between them and the Lord. And we get to support that. And here's the deal. Like you said, Melanie, if they come to you with questions and you don't know, mm-hmm. feel free to go, you know what? I don't know, but yes. we can find that out together. Huge. I don't know why Elisha had the ax floating in the water. Great question. <laughs> Let's go talk did about it. Did this just come up from your son? Yeah, it did. Okay. We had a, he has the best questions. Yes, because I have a seven-year-old that makes me read first and second key. We're in Second Kings right now. Very interested in Elisha, and Mama's having to go do some research. Yeah, because we have a theologian dad, thankfully, who would answer all of these. But Liam's like, "No, you can read." Okay. So anyway, but you know, it's when when you put the shame on them, like you made a bad decision. You're now kind of I don't know how y'all grew up, but it was like you don't backslide, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, all of adolescence is backsliding, guys. All right, every thought. Just one big backslide. Just a big old backslide. (laughs) And so, you know, and you can make light of it in some ways, but if you're offering that support for them to wrestle with this, Uh let them wrestle with it and be there to support them. And if they're like, I don't know where I'm at with the Lord, be like, you know what? Because there have been times you haven't either. Because guys, the Lord can handle it. He can handle your kid and he cannot wait for them to actually know. And I think it's Proverbs. Oh man, I'm going to misquote this. Is it 25 2? That it's the pleasure of the Lord to hide things and the mm. pleasure of the king to search for them. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. 25-3. One of those. It's in Proverbs. <laughs> but that's what it is. Like, let them search. The Lord has set that up for it to be a joy for them yeah. and for him. That's so mm-hmm. good. It was good. Oh, man. I know. Oh, we could go on and on. Um, I, this is actually making me think about how many people have come to our Empower workshops mm-hmm. who are parents. And maybe they didn't come to the workshop to learn, you know, tools for parenting. But they always leave going, man, this is going to completely change yeah. the way I relate to my kid. Sometimes these are grown adult children that they're talking about. Um, but I just like a lot of what you just 
said, Brooke, which just made me think, man, I, I would encourage people. We literally just finished our last workshop of this year, so we don't have any more till 2019. Um, but we encourage you to look into that. Even, yeah. even if you're just like, I don't have a helping role, maybe in the church or in whatever ministries, but I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. We have really found that workshop to be very helpful for, for parents. And so um, a lot of what we've kind of covered, we cover in way more detail um, within that workshop. But um, man, obviously we could do probably a year's worth of podcasts on this yeah. one, um, <laughs> but we do need to wrap up today. And man, I mean, as we've already said, I totally encourage you to get the book Boundaries with Teens because they what they do is they start breaking out um, different ways um, to just address like every challenge you could come up with in the book. I mean, academic problems, aggressive behavior, chores, disrespect, impulsive behavior, the internet, money, their phones, even sexual involvement. I mean, they cover a lot of different specific topics in the book. And so, man, if you have teens, if you want to have teens, or if you're going to have teens at some point in time, (laughs) get the book. I just think everything they do is gold. But we're going to continue on with our parenting series next week. We are actually going to be posting um, a show that we did quite a while back um, on boundaries in marriage and family. And so it's kind of just more of that big picture within... um, relationship with a spouse, um, but also with kids. So we're going to be reposting that and then we're going to continue on with some new stuff in the following week. So we hope that you will join us. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have any thoughts or questions about what we discussed, or if you'd like to share your ideas for future podcast topics, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiply.com. And if you're enjoying Mercy Talk, be sure that you go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. We also want to remind you that Mercy Multiplied and Mercy Talk are funded solely by donors, and we are so thankful for the support of so many people all over the country and even the world. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us next week.